Thanks for joining us for Episode 6 of Season 2 of Couples, Inc., a place where we help couples work better together. The first and third Wednesday of each month, we drop episodes with advice, tips, and real-world experience for partnering in business and life. I'm Jody, a business owner and communication strategist, and one time, after buying something at American Girl Doll for one of my nieces, I checked my bank statement to see how they logged the purchase. I so wanted to be the kind of woman who purchases a tiara, but it just said accessory. Oh, I know. I wanted to be that kind of woman. I'm Glenn, Jody's partner in life and business, and my heartfelt ambition is to open an exhibit showcasing a surrealist painter, a spiritual leader, and a country singer. Look for Dolly, Dolly, Dolly coming soon to a museum near you. (laughs) On today's show, we take time to talk about time in terms of time management. And then we interview Michael and Catherine Fothergill, who manage Ballet Arkansas, about running a nonprofit arts organization as a couple. At the end of the episode, we stop by the Couples Inc. water cooler to chat about some things that we're loving right now. Now, without further ado, let's get started with this episode of Couples Inc. Bleary, call up the scheduler, please. Sure, Jody. Here it is. Please add meeting with accountant at 10 o'clock on Tuesday. I'm afraid I can't do that, Jody. What's the matter? I think you know perfectly well what the matter is. At 9.30, you are scheduled to post a reel to a client's Instagram account. Based on my observation of your previous time spent on Instagram, you will start scrolling mindlessly for 12.2 minutes. (laughs) During which time you will get distracted by a video of a chocolate artist, making a life-size sculpture of a giraffe entirely of chocolate. True, true. This will prompt you to watch three more videos of chocolate art which will consume 14.7 more minutes. You will then try to invent a reason that you would need a chocolate sculpture for yourself or a client, at which point you will search for chocolate artists near you. You won't find any of those, but you will locate a bakery that offers baking classes. This will cause you to think, I could totally do that. And you will consume 6.3 minutes looking for a class to enroll in. Yeah, I could see myself doing that. Based on your behavior patterns, you will text a friend to see if she's interested too. She will agree, and you will book the class. At that point the time will be 11.08, and you will ask me to add the class to your schedule. Yeah, yeah. The circle of life. So for our big topic, we're going to talk about time management and the little... um. Uh, audio vignette that you just heard kind of explains a little bit why time management is so difficult because distractions and life and stuff you know there are countless um articles blogs you 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 just google this and you'll come up with all kinds of uh youtube channels podcasts you probably have something on instagram i'll bet tiktok has some stuff about time management which is ironic i know because tiktok is one of the biggest time wasters out there stop using it people stop it or maybe continue, but as if they make them go, funny. Go ahead on. Yeah. <laughs> we just wanted to talk realistically about what has worked for us yeah. and what hasn't worked for us. Yeah, because again, there are so many tips, like again, avoiding distractions. Well, you know, I know darn well that I'm going to be distracted, and sometimes I just lean into it, and sometimes I focus and, you know, pull back and right. do what I need to do. Yeah. But yeah, here are some things that kind of have worked for me. Um, 
and I, it may be something that could help if you're listening and you're having difficulty with with time management. Um, one of the things that I like to do is to block my time and batch like tasks. So for instance, if I know I'm going to be, I don't know, writing a lot, I might mm-hmm. back-to-back a couple different writing projects or planning projects or pitching the media. That way I'm kind of in the same mindset and I just kind of do those at the same time. Wow. Um, it kind of helps me stay focused and I'm not changing gears you as much. You are all about the focus. I am. I'm all about the bleary, not to coin a phrase from our vignette, but, you know, just like the, I guess, multi-focus. You say is, that, but when you get really into a project, you do hyper-focus. Like if you're supposed to be writing some copy, you have been known to kind of you know, really dive deep. Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. And do a great job. I don't even recognize that. I know. <laughs> I go someplace else. You know, my mind goes away and my body's just sitting at the keyboard. You're just, yeah, the muse takes over. Yeah. I'm glad I took typing because that's kind of an automatic thing now. I'm typing this as I speak. Yeah, do kids still learn that? I guess they call them keyboarding now. It's probably keyboarding. Yeah. And I don't think they need it now because the digital natives, you know, they're thumbboarding. That's true. Um, so so I kind of like to batch and, and like I'd like to plan ahead. That's yeah. something that helps me. What helps you? Uh, just what I said a second ago. The, the If I'm really drilling down on something, then I'm in the moment and nothing else is going on to me. Uh, if I try to move around from one task to another while trying to focus, I don't do so well. So what works for me is focusing on the task at hand while it's at hand. I need to take frequent breaks, though. I may have some form mm-hmm. of ADD that's undiagnosed. What are we talking about? <laughs> I think, yeah, it's you can only focus for so long. Sometimes you do need, you naturally need a break, and I think that's that's healthy. I think that what you just said, there's a myth about multitasking. You really can't do it well. You think you can, but you yeah, can't. Not you personally, I, I, but anyone. No, me personally. You're right. Yeah. I can't. But anyone. I mean, it's very hard because you end up switching gears too much, which is why I go to like trying to batch like projects. So if I yeah. um, used to, um, when I would like meet with a lot more, you know, clients or ad sales reps or something like that, I try to schedule them like back to back and mm-hmm. I would go over to our nearby Panera and just, I mean, in fact, some of the people who work there thought I should just have a plaque put on that particular booth. I mean, I bought things. I didn't just like take up space and didn't, you, you weren't know, a Panera bum. I wasn't a Panera bum, but I would sit there and I was like, you know, today's my meeting day, get a lot of meetings done. Yeah. And then I'd have one day that was all strategy planning or working or at least part of the day. It just helped me. Stay focused on something. By the way, Panera, if you're listening, you could be a sponsor <laughs> of Couple Zine Podcast. I do. I, their chocolate chip bagels are, I think, one of the best. Um, I think the thing that is most important is it's like you're not really managing time. You're managing your productivity. And you, you're really the key is to know how long things are going to take. You can have the best scheduling system. You can have a to-do list. You can go by all the rules of only touching a document once or acting on things immediately or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But if you don't have a realistic sense of how long something's going to take, you're always going to feel like you're working you're behind schedule. A lot, a lot of people suffer from the idea that, okay, I can do this in 30 minutes, so let me go ahead and schedule something else or plan to do something else afterwards when the task, if they really thought about it, was going to take a full hour or two. 
And then they're always behind schedule. It's just taking time to think about how long something's going to take. And there's no judgment. If it takes you two hours to do a task, it takes you two hours. Mm -hmm. Give yourself that time. I don't think putting more stuff on your calendar is going to change the laws of you know time. The laws the of laws time. of time. That's my key to time management. I I look at things and sometimes if like throughout the day I'm like, hmm, I have like thirty minutes before I have a meeting or before I have a call or whatever. That's quality YouTube time to me. Well, it could be, or I could be like, oh, I could do a couple of follow-up emails in that amount of time, and I know I could get that done. Or YouTube. I should never have confessed that to you. No, that's okay. YouTube does suck a lot of my time as well. I lost my YouTube privileges. But I think, yeah, the key is to know how long things take. What about you? What what other things work or don't work for you when it comes to time management? I think uh, if I'm drilling down especially on a singular task. Listening to music helps Mm, mm -hmm. put that in the background, but it's hard for me to remember to do that as sort of a routine or some uh, uh, standard of of my time and focus. Right. But it does, I find that if if I do that, it does help. Is there a a certain kind of music that works for you? Depends on the project. I mean, if I'm writing a hate-filled letter to a (laughs) consumer group that's ripped me off, it's it's all, you know, thrash metal. (laughs) Just whatever strikes, you know, there's so many playlists and so many. That's that's one of the things I love about digital music is that you can call up a playlist and or you don't have to. You just stream whatever is on there. And it, it truly is a stream of music, stream of consciousness type of thing. Um, taking frequent breaks mm-hmm. again, like I was saying a few minutes ago, if I can't get up every, you know, 20 minutes or so, I think. And just walk around or, you know, do something different for a few minutes, then I feel my brain starting to, you know, kind of hit overload. Yeah, I think that's, I don't necessarily know, some people might need to literally schedule time when we're talking about time management, where maybe you set your phone with an alarm that limits how long you are spending doing something that you think may be less productive, or... Maybe you're like, you know, in 45 minutes, I need to take a take a break. And it sets because sometimes if you're really absorbed, you might let time go too far. And then you've reached a point where you now you are spent. You can't do other things or you might plan on doing research for a project. And the next thing you know, you've gone down a rabbit hole and it's taking too long. So sometimes there are tools that can help you like setting an alarm or scheduling those breaks throughout. Yeah. One of those irritating alarms. It's yes. Like that? Yeah. Yeah. That's the best. Also, um, paying too much attention to the schedule Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily work for me. And I'll bet you found this, too, as a business owner. You can try to stick to a schedule, but business ownership is somewhat controlled chaos, if nothing else. There is going to be something during your day that pops up that you didn't expect. And yeah, that happens when you are an employee of someone else or you're working for a different company that you don't own. But I think it happens a little bit more. Well, and and the with, stakes with are lower. Ownership. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you're not a business owner, I think that comes from again knowing how long things are going to take you and not overscheduling yourself. Sure. Some people assume time management means have everything in your calendar blocked out and scheduled. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I do like scheduling blocks of of creativity or blocks of productivity. But I don't have it where there's no breathing room in the schedule. Right. And if you over schedule, if you're like nothing but 
meetings and things that you can't get out of. Like I did say, I do back would do back-to-back meetings, but those were reasonable, and it was just maybe one day. But if your calendar is like so jam-packed that there's no flexibility, you're kind of setting yourself up for being you know, in a crisis situation and not having room to, to deal with it. Yeah, it's counterproductive. Mm-hmm. Which is ironic. Out. Scheduling yourself so much actually is counterproductive. Sure. And I also find that the one thing that you know this about me very well, I like to work later mm-hmm. in the day. I feel more productive. I feel like all my cylinders are firing. I can work early in the morning. And, you know, for years I had no trouble sticking to an eight to five schedule. And I could do that again. But my preference, and as a business owner, I kind of get to exercise that preference, is to do the majority of my creative or productive or chaotic work during later hours. Yeah, I think if you have the luxury of being able to design your day, you need to tap into the times that you are most productive or most creative or when you and kind of fit the task to the time. Like I am most productive and creative and strategic in the morning. By the afternoon, yeah, I probably need to do some things that were are like a little bit more administrative tasks, mm-hmm. something that doesn't take a lot of brain power because I'm kind of spent by that time. So you work within your own like productivity rhythm. And if you have that luxury to schedule your day or work your day, you know, around, that's good and take full advantage of the fact that you've got, you know, this is my my productive time. Yeah. Let's do what we can get done here. Yeah. And it's interesting, you and I are opposite. I'm morning and you're evening. And in the middle of the day is sort of when we kind of meet meet up. Well, it also means that we work 24-7. That's true. Yeah, half a day, which, which 12 hours. Another thing that doesn't work for me is setting the expectation that you're only, only going to check emails certain times during the day. Oh, yeah. I know, I totally know, and Facebook and social. It is good to put some limits on that. But if you, particularly if you're in a profession like ours, where we deal with public relations and media and clients, we can't say we're only going to check email at the beginning of the day and the end of the day, and we'll respond within 24 hours. That just doesn't work Mm -mm. in our world. If you are in a situation where you can do that, and it's better for you to set up those times, that's great. For me personally, it's never worked because... Basically, I need I feel the need to stay on top of things and I don't like to get behind so much in my email. So I check more frequently than probably any time management guru would say, but it works for me. So it's kind of like, again, this is goes against all the advice you ever get from these time management people. But it works for me to check it throughout the day and frequently and, and it kind of, I don't know, keeps me productive. I think that's of necessity with our type of business. yeah. You'll have situations coming up sometimes by the hour that change. Exactly. I know that happens uh, since I'm tasked with a lot of the social media management that we do. Mm-hmm. Then you, you just kind of have to be ready for something to come up right in the middle of a project. You take for granted that it's very possible and maybe probable. And you, you go ahead and deal with it. It becomes a priority thing. Yeah. I think it's just, bottom line, know how long things take. Be flexible. And set up a system that works for you. Again, there are countless lists of rules for time management, and not all of them work for everybody. And you can, you know, but you, the more you can kind of control or the more you can design your system around your strengths and your interests and your productivity, the more likely you are to stick to that schedule and be 
the best time management version of yourself. There is one schedule that I stick to very strictly, mm-hmm. and that's my beer schedule. Yes. It's and beer, my nap schedule, too. It's beer o'clock somewhere. And nap o'clock. We interviewed Michael and Catherine Fothergill, the artistic director and associate artistic director of Ballet Arkansas. Here's what they had to say about working together. You've worked together in the past as dancers, but how has that dynamic changed now that you're leading a nonprofit's arts organization? And is it harder or the same? Like, how does that trans? How do you translate from being a colleague on a dance troupe to being management? So. I would say that, I mean, we've always worked together, our whole relationship. It was, we met at uh, Alabama Ballet and um, really are kind of tied at the hip uh, with everything that we do. So in transitioning to Ballet Arkansas, I would say it's more challenging because we have more responsibility in more areas. So it was just a learning process of what uh, the day-to-day looks like for us. Um, What would you say? Michael, harder. Uh, it's 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 more fun for sure because artistically, in the roles of a ballet dancer, you're kind of focused on one thing: portraying a character, keeping in physical condition, making sure that the patron and audience experience is focused to what they see on the stage. And now we're focused on what all goes into producing that artistic product behind the scenes. So. I think it's fun to discover new ways to work together, and obviously the subject matter continues to grow and grow as the company continues to grow. Did it help that you already had that history as dancers, that now you work together in management? Absolutely. You have yeah. that trust? Well, I think, well, as a dancer, I never dropped her, so there was there was a level of <laughs> trust. That's, that that was, was, that's <laughs> the cardinal rule, that the only rule her, her father had for me, really. Uh, but in, It's an important one. Yes, and I suppose that translates to support in what we do now. There's lots of times where we have to tag team back and forth on a particular endeavor or we'll lean on one another's attributes to get something move forward. So it's still kind of partnering. It's just a little bit different. How do you make all of this work personally? Do you have rules to go by? Anything that's maybe the Ten Commandments of working together? Let's say we, we are still building those rules um, and they are not really set in stone I think we're pretty flexible with if one person says today like I've got to get off the grid then we pivot and we go take a walk at uh, Willistine Park or um, but really not a set time of day I know some people probably say this time we're done working or um, this is our scheduled date night Uh, we really don't plan something that's that set in stone maybe because of how uh, much our jobs uh, are fluid and need to be fluid. Yeah, I think in terms of uh, the weekly schedule, because we are a smaller team at Valley Arkansas, that means that we're working longer hours generally. And with that said, as long as our hours are kind of concurrent or we're able to to piggyback schedules so that we're kind of on and off at the same times, then it, it generally works well for us. I'm the one that oftentimes will um, create rules as we're as we're going. Uh, so, for example, uh, one of my passions is cooking, and oftentimes I might want to have a sous chef alongside me. So that's every time a way that we have, we have a volunteer. Yes, yes, a volunteer. She doesn't know she's volunteering, but she is. 
Uh, yeah, but that's I always been, have to put my work down at that time. <laughs> yeah, it's a way to kind of check off two boxes, spend some time together, but also force the other person to not uh, be active. And she'll do the same thing if she wants to go for a walk. And we try to find activities to keep the marriage in focus, but also um, keep us together in some sort of activity sometimes it does take the other person to kind of push you and say yeah we need to do something you don't you can put that away the spreadsheet can wait or the you know the whatever meeting plans or notes can wait let's let's fix dinner together or let's go for a walk sometimes Mm -hmm. that because if you're in your own head and you're like become really kind of obsessed with some whatever you're working on you might not take that break that you need a lot of couples will talk about the importance of and this is something that glenn and i also do is defining your work roles and taking on those tasks. How uh, how have you guys managed to divide roles and goals and how has that helped you? I would say every year those roles get more defined and it has gotten easier every year. I think that especially as we were talking about with the nonprofit organization and wearing so many hats, at first we were you know, learning um, about Valley Arkansas specifically and trying to make changes and so uh, now I think we have settled into uh, where we have our strengths and then we assist each other in areas where we're not as comfortable. Um, and that has made life a lot easier for me personally. Mm-hmm. And there's crossover always. There's areas that maybe we're not as comfortable in, but we enjoy more in other ways. Uh, like, for example, I love the fundraising component of Valley, Arkansas. I like pitching solutions to people that they can see translates into activities in their community or X, Y, and Z. But at the very beginning, I, I thought it was fun, but I wasn't well-versed in some ways with the Arkansan way or the Little Rock way of, of, of doing that. And so Catherine had more of an in in certain ways and helped me polish that up. And we um, help each other in those those sorts of capacities all the time. She's very organizationally uh, focused in terms of um, everything has a place, everything can have more than one place. We need to know <laughs> the specifics of that place at all times. I'm a little more fluid in that area, so I, I think through watching her in certain tasks that maybe are more under her purview, I've improved my own performance in other ways, and I think vice versa. And I would say with areas where we both are kind of you know, level or even keel, that was um, maybe the of the most benefit is, you know, I deal with most of the marketing at Valley Arkansas and have the relationships with different, um, you know, sponsors and businesses. But Michael does have a passion for graphic design and is much faster than I am. So once we determined that he could, you know, knock out those Mm -hmm. uh, graphics quickly or uh, enjoyed doing that, then we passed over that responsibility. It still is a collaboration between the two of us in the, you know, visual image and what we want to portray and how that ties into uh, Valley Arkansas's artistic programming. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you would normally say, well, that whole bucket of marketing is on one person's shoulders. But when there's that ability to kind of share and balance the individual tasks based on what you're talking about with the time commitment or that passion, um, then I think that's something that could be very helpful in all workplaces. That's a perfect um, example, yeah. And I think it is more fulfilling as an employee or as a person in your, you know, mm-hmm. what you're working on with your passion as well. If you guys could name one specific challenge uh, that's unique to uh, operating 
the ballet as opposed to, say, the traditional small business? What do you think that would be? I think one of the challenges, you know, obviously I think service-oriented industries are always more challenging in the sense that you have niche markets. People either like that service or they don't. And for us, people are continuing to discover more and more about our service. You know, we want to make sure that people don't uh, have a particular image of Ballet Arkansas or a particular image of what classical ballet is, who it includes, what kind of communities it impacts. We want people to understand the broadness of how those things can can play a part in their life and how our, what we offer at Ballet Arkansas can welcome them. So you have to you have to hit the niche with broadening the perception of the market, and that's the hardest part. A lot of marketing, a lot of grassroots, uh, getting in front of people to to get them to understand um, that we're not such a stuffy, formal, classical art, even though we are a fine art. Uh, we need to make sure that there's a relatability conversation always taking place, and so that's probably the most important factor of what we do. You know, you can produce a world-class program, but if people don't know how it plays in their own lives, then, you know, we've got a challenge. So we're always trying to hit that head on. Right. And I mean, a ballet company is, I mean, there are most professional ballet companies are nonprofit organizations. So as Michael was talking about before, we do have that fundraising component, the development side that maybe a small business um, is operating just on, you know, that income from a service organization. So a ballet company or a professional ballet or dance organization has several different arms that are working in uh, cohesive ways, but in very different different areas of development. Not to mention, it's similar to running an athletic organization when you think of it, because mm -hmm. our dancers are really that. They're artists and athletes. They're on their feet every day uh, from morning company class at nine o'clock until the end of rehearsal at four. And that's something that that folks maybe don't realize. We're not just coming in for a couple of weeks and producing a show. It's a six-week rehearsal program for every single uh, ballet that we put on, and we'll do four performances then right on next to the next uh, production. So it's a constant mm -hmm. full-time job with professional art artists and athletes that we have to keep their well-being in mind also. Yeah, I'm always amazed at how athletic and physically demanding yeah. that is you forget that oh my gosh these people have had to train and they have had to do weight lifting and power you know lifting. and internalize the usual things that come with lifting like grunts and groans yeah, right. oh, yeah. Yeah. yes the goal of yeah. not you know but i think that there's also a trend uh in the dance world of kind of getting that behind the scenes and that mm -hmm. intimate perspective where maybe before when you didn't want to and we still don't want maybe the grunts um the you you know, seeing the exertion in its natural form has a beauty in of itself, seeing that beauty in action, which is what we, mm -hmm. you know, have coined uh, in this upcoming season for Ballet Arkansas. But we want people to experience that human side of what it means to, um, you know, what the dance, what the form of dance can mean and what how it can uh, connect with emotions and um, tell stories. <laughs> Hey, Glenn. Hey, Jody. I'm just here at the Couples Inc. water cooler. Hey, great seeing you here. And you as well. What's going on? Well, I thought, you know, I'd kind of catch you up on something that I am loving right now. Oh, okay. We can do that. So I have been taking a lot of classes at this uh, business called Art Is In Cakes Bakery. Get it? It's Artisan Cakes, but oh, it's Art Is In. Yeah, yeah it's playing words. 
Um, my great friend Lindsay and I, we have taken cookie decorating, cupcake decorating, and pulled sugar. Now, okay, the pulled sugar, it was fun. Mine was a bit of a nightmare what it looked like. And it is edible, but there's edible and then there's edible. So Did they, did they call the class, what are you trying to pull? They should have. But it was supposed to be some kind of flower that just didn't really look like a flower. But um, but the thing I like about the cookies and cupcakes is they truly are edible. Because, again, like, there's edible. Like, if you look at these cooking competitions. Yeah. But then there's there's edible. And yeah. pulled sugar, not you so much. You brought those cupcakes home, I remember. They were I good, weren't they? Yeah. Um, anyway, but it's so fun. And what I like about it is I am absolutely horrible at it. But I have so much fun doing it. And it, I get to be creative and I get to express myself and to get out of my head and do something that is totally different than what I normally do. And I think that's a fun thing to break away from. I, I haven't quite found my niche. Um, like I said, cookie decorating, I was pretty proud of those. Cupcake decorating, yeah, hit or miss. about the, the cookies. The cookies, they looked like they were the barbecue or cookout food, oh, the hamburger. Right. And yeah. I was pretty proud of that. Yeah. We learned, we learned um, a couple of different techniques um, for the icing. And then the same thing with the cupcake. We learned a couple of different, um, with the different tips for the icing bag. But it just, and then with pulled sugar, I realized it's a lot stickier and hotter than you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. It was really, yeah, a bit of a mess. Yeah. Um, and I hope that Lindsay didn't do any permanent damage to her hands because she, she kind of burnt herself a couple of times. And what were you doing to help? Just watching? well, I was. I had sugar in my hand. It's very uh, sticky. You can't do anything. Just she's okay. Over and grab her hands. I know she's okay. I just told her walk it off. Stop her from hurting herself. Yeah, but I really the thing is I just really enjoy it, and I'm trying to find other classes that are outside. The food thing is good because you get to eat it, but I was like looking at any watercolors or something else, something fun. But I just get a kick out of doing these things and finding things in our community that we can, I don't know, just learn something completely new that has nothing to do with what we do. We what we work what we do for a living is creative. Mm-hmm. So we have our creative expression, but this is just something so different and I just love being able to get out of my head a little bit. We've talked before about the different parts of your mind becoming engaged mm-hmm. when during the ordinary your course of life don't necessarily get used. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the definition or one of the definition of benefit of a hobby. Which is what you're describing. Exactly. You know? I haven't, like I said, I haven't found my niche yet. I, you know, I do like the cookie and, my, and cupcake decorating as opposed to the pulled sugar. We have looked at maybe doing some other baking things or, like I said, some other art things. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a hobby. I'm, reading is really my main hobby, but that's still in my head. And this way, I kind of just get very zen. Like I'm just thinking just about the icing sure and it, it is kind of more of a zen thing so it's just i i highly recommend looking for a class near you to, to just try something different it just it's fun wow mm-hmm. well what are you loving uh it's very lame by comparison it doesn't really rec- hey uh, no judgment at the water cooler okay um it's, well i mean it's, yeah there's judgment but it won't be out loud it'll be in my head sure yeah. it's not lame it's very pertinent and it's cool it is the last season of Better Call Saul. Oh yeah, you love that. Show. Yeah, the spinoff from Breaking Bad, and I'm, I, you know, there are five episodes left when we're recording this. It, you know, it may be all gone by now, but I can't. I, I just I don't know what I'll do when it's done. Oh, 
you're gonna have an emptiness, a Saul feel filled hole in your heart. Yeah. Or Saul shaped hole in your heart. You know, I can watch other stuff with Bob Odenkirk in it, but it's just not the same. I just expect him to say those three magic words. Better call Saul. Yeah. Well, it does give me an idea for, like, if we decide to do a different kind of podcast, we yeah. could do, because yours is all about crime, mine's cu- crime and cupcakes. <laughs> um, put a pin in that. I like it. Thanks for listening to Couples Inc., a place where we help couples work better together. We drop new episodes the first and third Wednesday of each month, but to make sure you don't miss a show, follow us wherever fine podcasts are published. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want to support the podcast, share it with others, post it on social media, or leave a rating or review. And please visit our website, couplesincpodcast.com. That's couplesincpodcast.com. To learn more about us, review show notes, or leave us a message. Until next time.